Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I will never forget the first girl I ever liked. I was 14, just starting high school, uh, and I, I felt like I was in love with this girl. <laughs> um, she was great. She was nice. She was friendly. She was pretty. And, and she liked sports. I just didn't know if she liked me. <laughs> but I really wanted to find out. So every year around wintertime, uh, students have the chance to attend what we call the Christmas Banquet. For the event, uh, guys would ask girls to be their date to the Christmas banquet. So I thought to myself, that must be it. That's perfect. I'm going to ask her to the Christmas banquet. So the day came when I was going to ask her, and I had the perfect plan. I was going to ask her right after our first class. And first, I would sneak a card into her locker. Um, Then I'd wait for her to come out. And as she was reading it, I'd come up behind her and say, will you go to the Christmas banquet with me? So the plan was flawless. And hopefully, just hopefully, she'd say yes. She had to say yes. I mean, who can resist something as romantic as that, right? (laughs) But in order for this plan to come together, uh, there was one thing I needed to do first. And that was ask my, my teacher of my last class to let me out five minutes early. So during lunch, I headed over to his classroom. He was one of my favorite teachers. Um, And when he saw me, he said, hello, Jeremy, what can I do for you today? Because he he had that very stoic-like personality. And with with a huge grin on my face, I'm I'm like pretty nervous. I'm like, sir? And I say sir because, you know, when you have to ask a favor of a teacher, you have to be very polite and respectful. And so I'm like, sir, do you think you can let me out of class five minutes early to ask a girl out to the Christmas banquet? And he said, who is it? I tell him who it is, and what happened next terrified me. His expression dropped, and he just said, huh. Huh? What do you, what do you mean, huh? Like... Is that a good huh or a bad huh? So here, here I am trying to figure out what huh means. And he tells me, wait, wait here a second, Jeremy. So he walks into the office and uh, he, he checks on something. And at this point, my, my hands are like blocks of ice. When I get nervous, I get the opposite of sweaty hands. My hands just become ice cold. And at this point, like my hand, I can't even feel my hands. He, the teacher walks back in, and he, uh, he tells me, Jeremy, it turns out she's already signed up to go to the banquet with someone else. Ugh. My heart just sank when he said that. Soon after, I found out that the guy who had asked her, asked her yesterday, one day before... One day before me, one stupid day, and this guy, this guy was 
someone I was friends with. My mind was going crazy trying to figure out, like, how did, he, how did he figure that out? How did he know to ask before me? He must have found out that I was going to ask her today, so he asked yesterday. Then I suddenly realized I told a mutual friend. That must be it. In, in retrospect, I actually don't know if he knew. Um, I actually didn't know if he knew at all. So, but on that day, I didn't care. And I was, I was sad. But after my sadness came rage. I felt angry. I felt betrayed. It was still lunchtime, and at lunch, the guys play basketball in the gym. I, I quickly joined the game, and guess who was on the other team? <laughs> the other guy! I could see him standing there with, in my head, with like this face that said, I, had a, I have a date to the Christmas banquet, and you don't. And ugh, I was like, that just made me even angrier. And at one point in the game, um, I, I went for a fast break. I stole the ball and went into a fast break. It was just me and the other guy. I didn't even care if I made the shot. The only thing I cared about was revenge. So with, with every ounce of strength I had, I, I lowered my shoulder and went for the layup. The only thing I wanted to do was, was hit him. We both fell hard on the ground, and I, I thought he was going to fight me after, but he didn't, he didn't fight me. He asked me if I wanted to call the foul. I, I said no. He probably didn't even notice what I was trying to do, but I noticed. I played the whole game feeling rage and wanting revenge. When it was all over, all I was left with was uh, feelings of shame and regret. Honestly, I couldn't believe that that was me on the court. Is that who I really am? Is this how people will remember me? That angry basketball guy? <laughs> or maybe people will remember me as the shortest guy in class. Or maybe the shy and quiet kid that never spoke up in high school. Just please, not that angry basketball guy. <laughs> we all have things that we don't like about ourselves, don't we? Things we, we wish we could change. Things we wish didn't happen. Decisions we wish that we didn't make. We can let our tempers get out of control. We can give in to temptation and lie a little here or cheat a little there. And man, we can get, we can get jealous, right? Like, obviously, I got jealous back then. And now, nowadays, it's even easier to get jealous with social media. We can go on Facebook and see our friends getting fancy new cars, making more money than us, getting new clothes, having more followers on Instagram, whatever you want. It's easy to feel unworthy to feel unacceptable, to feel like a disappointment. It's easy to look back on all these things that we've done in our lives, all our mistakes, all our regrets, and feel like a failure. If this is how we feel about ourselves, it's easy to think that this might be how God thinks about us. How can God ever accept me? 
I can't even accept myself. One of my favorite superhero movies is Iron Man. And the first Iron Man came out in 2008 when I was 12 years old. <laughs> when you see Tony Stark at the beginning of the movie, he's someone no one would see as a hero. He, his company primarily produces weapons, big weapons. And Tony believed that his weapons were protecting people, protecting innocent people. He believed he was doing good. But later he found out his weapons were being used for evil right under his nose. Today, I want to introduce you to a guy who had a similar story to Tony. His name was Saul. Saul lived about 2,000 years ago, around the time that Jesus did. And most of what we know about Saul came from the Bible. Saul was raised a traditional Jew. He worked hard to get to the position of a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a teacher of the law. And in this point in time, religious law was the only law. Saul is what we would call today as a prosecuting attorney. Saul, Saul, he hated Christians. He hated them because they believed Jesus was God. And to him, that was blasphemy. Blasphemy is the act of insulting or showing irreverence towards God. And Saul wasn't going to let anyone insult God. So Saul hunted these Christians down, arrested them, punished them, and had them stoned to death. So Saul and Tony Stark didn't have much in common. When you actually look at the, the list uh, of traits they had, in fact, the only thing they had really in common was they sounded more like villains than heroes. These two men were very flawed men. They weren't exactly winning role model of the year awards. But as bad as Tony Stark was, he was nowhere near as bad of a guy as Saul was. The Bible records this one time where a young man, a young Christian man named Stephen, was out serving food to widows. He started talking about uh, how much he loved Jesus, and that's when a bunch of other guys heard him, and they were so upset that they, they stoned him to death. And guess who was leading the charge? Saul. Saul, he wasn't, he wasn't just mean, he was cruel. When we first meet Saul, it, it's in the part of the Bible called the New Testament, in the book of Acts. To give a little context about where we are in Saul's story, this all takes place right after Jesus died and had resurrected. Feel free to pull out your Bibles or your phones, or we'll also put up the verses on the monitors in front of you. In Acts chapter 9, verse 2, it says, He, Saul, requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers, followers of the way he found there. He wants to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. The first followers of Jesus weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. These were people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Saul, Saul was arresting them because to him, believing in Jesus and his teachings was heresy. And Saul wanted to bring these heretics back to Jerusalem to be stoned. This was a prime hotspot for Saul, Damascus, because there was a good number of followers of the way in Damascus. 
Remember, Saul was relentless. So when he knew that there were way followers in Damascus, he knew that was his next target. This, this was Saul's plan. He would drag those Christians, both men and women, back to Jerusalem to be stoned. But Saul didn't know that God had other plans for him. So here's Saul. He's on his way to Damascus. He's probably riding a donkey. What, it, was, it should have been a quiet and uneventful ride. And he's about to enter the city, probably excited about all the way followers he's going to catch. When all of a sudden, a, a bright light appears out of nowhere. And that's when Jesus spoke to him. Remember, at this point in time, Jesus had already died and resurrected. In verses 5 and 6, the Bible makes it clear who was talking. Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, here's the funny part. Saul has a bunch of other guys with him, uh, and they're standing right next to him, and the only one that can see the bright light and hear the voice was, was Saul. So they must be thinking, like, Saul's just going crazy. Should we really keep following him? I don't know. And Saul, was, he must have been thinking, what's going on? How can, how can this be Jesus? How can this be Jesus talking to me? Jesus should be dead. Saul must have been terrified. The man who Saul thought was a false messiah spoke to him out of thin air. This was Saul's turning point. That was when Saul began to realize what he had been doing was wrong. And Jesus said, and Jesus was exactly who he said he was. It continues in verse 8. Saul picked himself, off of, picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to, Damas to Damascus. This was a bit ironic for Saul. Saul saw himself as a guide to the blind. He believed that way followers were just being blinded and manipulated by Jesus' teaching. But now he was literally the blind one. Saul didn't see himself as, ir uh, as, a, as evil. He saw himself as a hero for the church. I would imagine it was also a bit of an ego check for Saul. He saw himself as a righteous hero of his own story. Now he was blinded and helpless. So helpless that he couldn't even get to Damascus by himself. While Saul was being led to Damascus, he spoke to a man named Ananias. Ananias was a Christian man living in Damascus. In verse 15, it says, this is the Lord talking to Ananias. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. When Ananias heard this, he has only heard of Saul as a persecutor. So of course he'd be skeptical. Ananias must be thinking, God, are you sure we're thinking of the same Saul? And God's just like, yeah, Ananias. Saul will become a messenger for me. And Gentiles, Gentiles were anyone that wasn't a Jew. So Saul's call was now to be a messenger to everyone, not just Jews, but Gentiles. And being an apostle, 
Saul, well, Saul was special call was to be an apostle. And being an apostle, apostle essentially means being an ambassador or a messenger. You see, even though Saul was a Jew, he was also a Roman citizen. And he lived most of his life among the Gentiles. Saul thought his mission in life was to arrest Christians. However, now he was being called to be a messenger and a teacher to them. So Ananias follows God's command and looks for Saul. In verse 17 it says, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. When he found Saul, when Ananias found Saul, it had already been a few days since Saul had been blinded. And in that time, Saul hadn't eaten anything or drank anything. Saul was so deep in reflection that he didn't eat or drink. He was reflecting on the wrong he had done. He was filled with grief and remorse for those he had sentenced to death. After being blinded and hearing Jesus' voice speak to him, he had no more doubt. He knew, Saul knew, that Jesus was the Messiah. And now Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice Ananias called him brother. Saul was no longer the enemy. Ananias saw that Saul had changed, and he knew that Saul was now a believer like him. As soon as Ananias said this to Saul, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Saul was blind to, to who Jesus was. Suddenly he could see. And in the same way his spiritual blindness was healed, his physical blindness was healed now too. And now, here's Saul. He's, he's running around telling everyone, Jews and Gentiles, about Jesus. The people in Damascus were anticipating that Saul would bring his wrath to Damascus Christians. What they saw instead shocked them. In verse 21, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? People were in disbelief. This was the same man that ordered Stephen to be stoned. This was the same man that went to the council and asked permission to arrest Christians in Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. But instead of arriving in Damascus and arresting Christians there, God used Saul. God used his strong personality to tell everyone the good news about Jesus. Because God knew all eyes would be on Saul and all ears would be on Saul. God knew that if Saul were to speak for him, everyone would listen. If you have given up on God, or if you don't think God can accept a person like you, Saul's story is a great reminder that to God, no one is too far gone. I mean, if, if God can accept Saul, God can accept anyone. 
And if anyone had a reason to believe he was too far gone, it was Saul. Saul could have looked back on all the mistakes he made, all the people he's hurt. He could have looked back on all the pain he had caused and said, there's no way that God can use someone like me. There is no way that God has any use of someone like me. But God didn't let Saul's past be the end of Saul's story. With God, what defined your past doesn't define your future. In verse 22, it says, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. This, this was an amazing feat. He was able to convince Jews in Damascus that Jesus was the Messiah. Jews that believed like he did, that Jesus was just a false Messiah. He convinced even them. The man who traveled to Damascus to arrest and kill Christians became one of Jesus' greatest followers. When we look at Saul at the beginning of his story, he was a villain to Christians. No one would have guessed he would become one of God's heroes. Before Saul was blinded, he, was, he went by the name Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name. He was proud of his heritage. But now that his call was to preach to Gentiles, he would go by his Roman name, Paul. Paul, who became one of the leaders of the early Christian church. Paul, who wrote most of the books in the New Testament. Paul, who planted new Christian churches all over the Roman Empire. Throughout Paul's whole story, even though he fought against God, God was always there trying to guide him. Paul God had a plan for Paul. In the movie Iron Man, Tony's turning point was when he saw his weapons being used in the wrong hands and being used on innocent people. At the end of the movie, he became the hero no one thought he could be, and proudly saying at the end of the movie, I am Iron Man. I am the hero that you saw. Paul's turning point was when he heard Jesus' voice and was blinded so that he can see the wrong he had been doing, arresting Jesus' followers. But Paul became the hero no one thought he could be. Paul drifted far from God, but God was always there right next to him. God is the same way with you and me. I know there have been many times where I, I just felt far from God, that God wasn't that important to my life when my mistakes, my decisions, and everything just happening made me feel like I was far from God. But what, Saul, what Paul's story tells us and what I've come to realize is that God is always there. You might feel like you're far from God, but God is never far from you. You might feel like you're far from God, but God is never far from you. I've never stoned anyone, but I really connected with 
Paul's story. I was born and raised a Christian. I went to church every week thinking and feeling like it was enough. But in high school, that's when I felt like, what am I doing? Is this what Christianity's all about? Sitting in a room with a bunch of other people that I don't even know, listening to someone say things that I might forget in a day. If it is, maybe I don't want to be a Christian. That's what I thought to myself. I reflected on all those things. And during my reflection, I saw that I was always a passive Christian. I never really went out of my way for anyone. Realizing this was my turning point. Through my reflection, I was able to listen to what God had to say and what God wanted me to do. The more I listened to God, the more I realized that I needed to become an active Christian. I no longer wanted to be someone on the sidelines. And notice I didn't say I became that I am an active Christian because I am still a work in progress. I'm still on that journey. I'm still reacting to my turning point. I was never the perfect Christian, and I, I never will be. But here's what I did and told myself. Be patient, but don't wait. Change, change doesn't happen immediately. But that doesn't mean you can't start today. If, if you ever try to change something in your life, you know the hardest part is to make the decision to start. Your turning points don't have to be as drastic or as, they don't have to be as drastic as Saul's or Tony's. But it could be as simple as waking up one day and wanting a change. That's what happened to me. Your but, but once you've experienced your turning point, that's not the end. There will be challenges. There will be, there will be days of doubt where you might question your beliefs. There will be days where you just feel like you're far from God. But remember that God is never far from you. What worked for me was to reflect and keep moving forward. Reflect on your turning points. I wrote down all my thoughts on things I might want to change. And I wrote down all my strengths because you never know what God might ask you to do. My reflection told me that I needed to become an active Christian. That's what I decided to do. I'm not saying everyone needs to do what I'm doing. Maybe through your reflection, you see that you're, you don't have enough time with God, that you need to find alone time with Him. Maybe you have to cut things out to find time. Maybe through your reflection, you figure out that you need to take a step back from church. Think about it, reflect, and then maybe jump back in. Find time to reflect, but then get up and do what you need to do. I stopped telling myself that God won't accept me until I change. Because the reality is, God already accepts me, just like he already accepts you. And if there are things we want to change about ourselves, all we have to do is ask God for help. Realizing 
that God loves you and accepts you just the way you are could be your turning point. Recognizing that you don't have to earn God's love, that nothing in your past prevents you from making a difference in your future, that God can make a difference in your future. That might be the spark that helps you decide to take that first step towards Him. So when you feel like you've made too many mistakes for God to love you, remember Saul. When you feel like your your situation is hopeless and that God has forgotten you, remember Saul. When you feel like it's, it's just too late for you and that you're too far from God, remember Saul. And remember that God is never far from you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.